0: Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics, and emerging issues. I'm your host, Carly McMoore, and together with the AJP, I am bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like and rate each episode and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. This podcast discusses stress in pharmacy. It discusses Resources out there that are available to help us in our day-to-day practice talks about ways that we can take care of each other and the benefits of speaking up, as well as the consequences of working in a toxic work environment and how this can create a ripple effect and carry on to the customers. Leila Jarvanmad and Armin Jarvanmad discuss workplace stress, the impact it has for them as pharmacist owners, as well
1: as their staff. I'd like to think we do well. At our I think pharmacy? in our
2: pharmacy, our pharmacy is a little bit different, I think, because it is an independent. Um, and I mean, we're both the owners, but we both work there. And that's always been something that we were very passionate about. Um,
1: being hands on.
2: Being very hands on. If there are stresses that are in the workplace with staff, we try to talk to them about it as it goes we don't want them to kind of feel stressed out or overwhelmed or anything in the workplace because we understand that like you know you go to university you get your qualification you're going out and you're you're working in the workforce like um how you're going to be feeling and acting while you're at work it can be affected by so many things it can be affected a lot by your external factors it can be based on your daily interactions with, like, with other staff or with your patients. Um, and I think a really, really sad thing in pharmacy, and I do see this a lot, is that you do find that um, people feel as though sometimes they're not supported or they sort of get told, um, you know, if, if somebody goes, oh, my workload is really high, The response in a lot of cases is, oh, well, um, you know, such and such can handle this workload or there's there's almost like a a belittling in a way or kind of just kind of going, well, why can't you keep up? Why can't you be better? Why can't you take on more and and deal with that? Um, And I think that's really quite, it's very stressful, especially for young pharmacists as well. Um,
1: Especially since they don't have the experience to know what's different. Um, uh, well, a lot of young farmers, so they end up going into jobs that uh, with places that I suppose have a high staff churn rate.
2: Yeah, that can be quite difficult.
1: Um, so they don't get to experience the best of the profession. Yeah. Um, and that's quite unfortunate. Uh, Where we I mean, now management philosophy is less about managing by numbers Mm. um a lot of places will have a you know a firm wage percentage they have to stick to um and the management response will be to cut wages or cut staffing if the wage percentage creeps up above a certain magic number Mm. um without any consideration of what's actually happening in the store on the ground uh, I mean, ultimately, I guess because we're working with these people. Mm. Um, we want, and and they're our peers as well. They're not subordinates. They're not underlings. They are fellow pharmacists mm. or, or fellow staff members. Um, it, we we do put a fair bit of. Uh, Respecting to their opinion of how the place is run yeah um that's and, a very big thing um and we will actually explain to them why something's being done in a certain way if mm-hmm. they raise their concerns about it and if they happen to suggest something better then i'm i'm happy to consider and leila's happy to consider it and go from there um we make a pretty big deal about making sure the workload's reasonable at our pharmacy yeah um, there's two reasons for that mainly because you don't want to go home at the end of the day feeling like you may have potentially killed somebody um, and secondly because I think it provides a better service to the patient uh, it gives us more time to actually understand the patient's needs their requirements where we can intervene to make their treatment better, make them more comfortable about their treatment so that they're uh so that they're more comfortable with uh with uh with doing what they've whatever they've got to do, whether it's a lifestyle modification or whether it's um taking some complicated medication in some complicated way. Uh the um but yeah it's uh look the once again, it comes back to the financials, uh, uh, and I understand like bigger pharmacies would have an issue. And I was discussing this with another pharmacist a couple of days ago. Uh, Say so you got a pharmacy that's doing three hundred doing 300 scripts on a in a in a standard eight-hour day, which would be under the board guidelines a solid two pharmacist pharmacy um, works out to. It works out to script every every couple of minutes. Uh, in a the way we uh, get remunerated now, uh, if there happens to be some event, say a weather event, and that's quite common, and it happens to be quite rainy for a couple of days, script volume goes down to one fifty. Um, that pharmacy could be in quite a bit of trouble if they were staffing it as if it were a 300 script pharmacy it's the incentives aren't there for the for the business to have appropriate staffing levels it's actually makes more sense for the business to assume they're having more 150 days and 300 days and staff it as if they're going to do 150 and maybe expect that Single solitary pharmacists to do 300 more often than not. Um, obviously, the more you think about it, the, m- the more the harder it is to come up with a good answer for it, too. Um, but it, it is something that will probably have to come up going forward uh, as pharmacists, um, as, as demand for our skills increase with an ageing population. David Heffernan discusses patients and their anxiety and how this can be projected
0: on you. He also discusses the importance of culture, rural pharmacy and safe working environment requirements.
3: There's no doubt pharmacy can be a stressful place. Um, and it is, you know, often you, when, often will be when you're dealing with the public. Um, you know, when you're dealing in health, you're often dealing in anxiety. Um, people are anxious about their health. They're anxious about cost of living, They're, and you know, and they can project, and they can, you can take that, take a lot of that on. Sometimes, I think, yeah, a lot of uh, preventative measures in mental health in the workplace come down to culture. You've got to get the culture right at your work. You've got to make it a good place to work in, a comfortable place to work in, a friendly place to work in. Get a sort of a team mentality, and everything else will fall into place. Your customers will be nicer. You know, even if there might be the one, there's, there's, some people will always be, you know, snap at you or be quite blunt, but that's their personality. We get to learn them. But if you've got a good culture, everything will follow. And, and the customers will be happier, you'll be happier, and it'll be less stressful. But you just got to monitor the trigger signs. you got to monitor when maybe they're, we're overworked. Maybe I need to change the timetable. Maybe I need more staff on. Um, or, you know, you've, you've just got to get, get build the trust up and change the culture, and it will follow. Yeah. But I do, I, I do get concerned that people do work. I worry about some, you know, there's some rural people who just have not had a holiday for a long time because they can't get a locum. Um, maybe they don't want to pay that much. Maybe they can't pay that much. Um, and th- the pressures to keep turning up every day, you know, I do I do worry about some of those instances because, you know, you can't help anyone else. You can't help yourself. Um, mental health is an area it's a new frontier in pharmacy, but I think in as, as far as workplace relations go, you know, every employee's got an obligation to their employees to provide a safe work environment. And, you know, so to prevent, you know, overworked stress, to prevent workplace bullying, to prevent, um, you know, to, to allow time off when time is due... And when there's you know carers leave or any other leave, so employers have the responsibility that these days, like and it's even more. It's it's more profound with Fair Work, actually does, I guess, m- have set standards for employees and employers. So, so yeah, but you have to be diligent to monitor, monitor it and look out for the trigger signs. But it comes down to culture.
0: Elise Apolloni discusses thinking of work outside of work hours and how we need to put our knowledge in self-care into ourselves, as well as having a better work-life balance.
4: I think we have a really stressful job. We never know what's around the corner. We don't have a strict schedule when we go to work every day, and our schedule consists of whatever the public can throw at us, really. And sometimes that can be really exciting, interesting clinical problems that we can help our patients solve. And sometimes that can be aggression or harassment um, from members of the public. And sometimes that can be internal um, harassment or aggression as well. I think pharmacists are really busy people. And even though a lot of us hopefully only have to work a 38-hour week, I think we would all agree that we have a position of high responsibility and we do take um, our work home with us. We do think about our patients when we're not with them. And we do think about our role when we're not in the four walls of our pharmacy. So I think that's where workplace stress and pharmacy kind of coincide. Pharmacists are very smart. We, we go to university, we're trained, we know about mental health, we know about how to look after ourselves in theory, but often we don't put a lot of that into practice. So I think it is important that we acknowledge that maybe that's an area we need to do a bit better in. And as well, I think that workplaces need to try and catch up with some of the expectations of particularly um, newer generations who perhaps have a different perception of how they can manage stress. And sometimes that's around having more time for them and more time away from their workplace where they can reset And so in our pharmacy, we try to do a four day on three day off roster. So there's actually a three day weekend, whether it falls entirely over a weekend depends on the person's roster, but you know, most weeks to give that kind of better work life balance so that you can be really present for four days when you're at work for those longer days, but then you've got those three days and that's a significant amount of time to reset every single week to hopefully balance things out a bit better.
0: Graham Smith talks about wages and high workloads, unrealistic expectations, and trying to create guidelines on workload.
5: The issue of stress is just starting to raise itself um, in New Zealand, particularly in the areas where wages are low and there's a huge volume of work being done. And we we have anecdotal reports of um, employers who are, paying pharmacies low wages and have unrealistic expectations of, of what is a safe workload. And we've been trying to do some work with the pharmacy council to to put some guidelines out, but it's incredibly complicated because it, it, it seems that no two pharmacies are the same and, and workplace pressures in almost every pharmacy is different and it depends on the particular staffing structure, it depends on the flow of prescriptions um and, and not just the volume but but where the peaks in that volume are and we found it a lot more challenging than we we thought it would be to put some guidelines together um in, in terms of the um the uh, pastoral care of pharmacists i think like australia we have a, a a system of peer support um available for pharmacists and i i I'm not aware of the statistics at the moment because it's all done on a confidential basis just as to whether that's being used more um, in recent times or not. I suspect it probably is.
0: Joyce McSwan shares on being flexible and adaptable. She also talks about bullying, coping, resilience and therapy.
6: So I think pharmacists as a breed (laughs) are reasonably prescriptive. You know, we're taught to be that. Um, we're attracted to this profession perhaps because we, we're quite orderly. You know, we're quite process-driven. You check this first, you check that next, you put the label straight, <laughs> even right down to the straight label. Um, you know, you you staple in that top right corner. So I think when we're so used to that way of, of, of working because we want to keep our Um, role as a protective role so we're a guardianship role you know of medication we protect as the last protocol you know to let medications out before even after prescribing you know so we have we've drilled in we've had drilled into us that caution now the reason i mentioned that in the prelude to stress management is because um perhaps you know there can be and that's not um, all, but there's certainly some, I think, um, uh, uh, inflexibilities that can come if you want it to be sort of honest with it. I think there's some inflexibilities that can come with some of that training that we've had. So unfortunately then when opportunities or um, environments change or situations arise where it requires our adaptability and the ability to flex a bit, we will get stressed. We will be very scared about that fear-driven and we may not always have the coping abilities to know how. How do I adapt? How do I change this? One really cool example, literally if, I'm, if I can stress on some of these mindset reasons to affect stress levels and it's all about mindset and paradigms and perceptions being able to sort of differentiate them an example today i delivered a you know at a conference i delivered education around the fact that evidence has changed in the management of um hip and knee OA Um, and some of the guidelines have actually suggested that paracetamol is really no longer a Um, core recommendation. In fact, there's no recommendation. And ibuprofen um, or non-steroidals per se had more the indication role for acute management, right? So that you can imagine turns like what we've been taught on a bit of a head because evidence has changed. So I actually got confronted with a group of fairly passionate pharmacists and I would say towards the side of anger passionate who kind of went oh we've been taught this all this time and now I don't believe anything anymore I don't think I can believe anything anymore about science because what are we going to do like what if you know what if people cannot take non what do we do then you know was really fascinating to see the impact of the change of science on a practice because all i know is how to do paracetamol you know for osteoarthritis pain it's safe you know yeah but it didn't work yeah but it's safe <laughs> so it's interesting to see a very catastrophic <laughs> exclamation of truly you know how we have to update so we can stress ourselves out (laughs) by being inflexible and going okay well another view on that would be well science has clearly changed we did the best we could as what we knew then it's changed hey let's make it more effective not make it safe because that's how we knew how to work it and you know it was time you know, effective therefore, but let's make it really effective because if the evidence is saying that generally it's not effective anymore, okay, let's change. So that change I think is really important. So if we cannot change, if we cannot adapt, if we cannot be okay with the fact that we need to do that, then stress I think will be there. That's from a practice angle. On the other hand, I think there clearly are some um, resilience issues as well. When you're bullied in a workplace, it's going to happen everywhere. As the professional intensity, uh, as the uh, industry transitions, there will be intense levels of all kinds. Um, You know, people, again, don't want to change. They don't want to adapt. So there's stress sores coming from all those angles. You know, the boss is breathing down your neck and you're like, okay, he's shouting at me now all of a sudden because he's dressed because he can't meet his bottom line. So I suppose with all of that, how does a, a person, some things are not acceptable, absolutely, and we need to know that. But I think, you know, accepting the fact that we not only need to self-care but we need resilience it's research has shown that what has carried people through tough times or trying moments is not so much how many times they could sue their boss or how many times they could get back at people was actually how much grit they have so it's in that resilience to go, okay, this has happened anyway. Sure, you know, if there's a need for legal representation, that's fine. If there's all the, all the reasonable things to do is, is absolutely fine. But beyond that, the grit, the resilience that's needed to, um, to last it out. And to be able to self-care enough to not stress yourself out, you know, from it as well. So I think those are, yeah, those are things that I think have been useful for myself, but perhaps from that stress management point of view. And that's all of those are taught responses. They're not innate. So you don't get back out of bed one day and go, well, how come I couldn't resolve, you know, that stress? You know, I don't, I think stress is a very innate response. Whereas the antidote to that, is let response. It's so true. Like, it's it's incredible just understanding the paradigms of that, you know, the perceptions of that they can quickly change that prism, I suppose. Yeah, really a lot of work needs to teach the industry in that, you know. It's taught. Yeah. You can
2: <laughs> teach it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of focus on... <laughs> therapies things like that and cognitive behavior therapies but yep. resilience and things that people can actually do themselves before they reach a more extreme stage that is not really focused on
6: and it's incredibly important having those ability to kind of step back from yourself and be aware and not not feel like you've got to reach the point of therapy you don't you don't because by the time you reach therapy level uh, i think a lot of stuff has, you know, impacted, you know, um, from not just the person but periphery to that person um, within the family usually and within the others in the the workplace. So I I do think that um, it's not about how they can change but how we can change, they being whatever the contributing factor might be and how we can not so much even change because you don't essentially want to change yourself and maybe you can't, but how you can be okay with having some coping and resilience to that. I think that's the best word I can have. It's it's resilience to, you know, it's almost that whole, you know, living a good quality of life despite pain. You know, there's the, the acceptance of going, okay, yeah, I don't think I'll find the best workplace ever, Um, and sure you know I'll find one that's closest fit to me okay but how then can I still contribute and be resilient within this environment you know pick your wars do things that can empower yourself within the workplace because after all we're there a workplace is really only a conduit for us to serve our patients it's really the ship that helps to enable that beyond that you know, sure, there's the working environment and what have you, but fundamentally those are any pharmacy, any GP clinic, any health industry place really, however you call it whether hospital, really the rubber hits the road when you are interacting with that patient or you're doing something to help that patient, whether it's dispensing a script. So any action there, sure, your boss might pack you on the back, but ultimately it's that patient that benefits. So if you shortcut, if you cut corners, if you um, – you know, kind of just ignore it. Even someone at the other end will be impacted, and that is the patient. Yep.
0: Carolyn Huxhagen talks about leaving your attitude at the door and how to practically take care of yourself throughout the day. She also discusses standards of practice, bullying, resources to help, and the mental health first aid course. Currently,
7: I'm working as a locum uh, fair amount uh, due to the caps on HMR. So I walk into pharmacies where I um, am the new newbie on the group, and for me, um, the d- dispensary technician is my best mate, and you got to respect that they're the p- the constant within the dispensary, and very quickly you've got to work out how that dispensary works and and mould to their pattern of work because you're the interloper you you've come to mind this uh, pharmacy and while you bring your expertise and your professionalism, um, you also got to leave your attitude at the door and I actually um, encounter, you know, the text will say to me, oh, it's been such a breeze working with you today, you don't get ruffled, you don't throw things, you don't um, lose control and I'd say, well, you know, I'm older and I, I think I'm probably past all that but from... The perspective that i see is that pharmacists have also got to think about their own mental health and and felicity touched on it you know you need to go to work um you know you should have food in your stomach you should be well hydrated and you should have breaks you know you where you have something to eat trying to do a 10-hour day dispensing huge workloads and not taking a break not not um eating is ridiculous and it's it's not appropriate behavior we're all already seeing in medicine where we are intervening so that you know surgeons are having breaks and things like that and pharmacy has to apply some of these basic standards of practice as well because um it's ridiculous to live on coffee and you know chocolate biscuits all day it's um and it's not uncommon. Uh, bullying in the workplace uh, occurs a lot. Um, encountered it many times, and it, it count and it yeah you, know, you get it from down as well as up. So you have to um, you you have to work through that and and try and fix it. Um, I certainly use the services of the Pharmacy Guild um, Industrial Relations um, team a lot and um yeah I, I think pharmacists have to have to i also would echo that they should do the mental health first aid course so i think that's a, a prerequisite for working in a in a place like pharmacy i um for 28 years i managed a group of pharmacies and i knew most of my patients, you know, I grew up in that town. I had been the manager of that pharmacy group for all those years. So I had been through the yeah, birth of their children, the death of spouses and things. And, and you can become impacted by grief um, even with your customers. And so I think mental health first aid uh, teaches you how to be empathetic, how to deal with your own emotional issues that um you know for me to to lose a patient or a patient's um loved one is a saddening um is a a really sad process and and you need to be aware that that does have an impact and you only need to have a few of those in a very short time to realize you know start to feel into that terrible area of sadness um so yeah I think there's there's stress there's um that bit um I I would have to say right now that I am appalled by the level of bullying and I think that it, for some, one of the reasons is the very tight control that um, young owners go into businesses where they um, put a lot of their money, they, they put a lot of debt on themselves so they're running themselves to... Uh, a very tight line of debt repayment, and you know, it, it, there's all those things that they got to deal with, as well as you know, they're working long hours in their pharmacies, which affects their family life, and and then it all just overflows in some circumstances. Um, so yeah, as Felicity said, they they then start to you know lay off staff, and everyone works a lot harder, and um, so it, it's it's a, a huge problem um, out there. Um, but yeah, one of the, the golden rules that I instill in the teams I work in is you go on your breaks, you have, you have a break and you, you know, you've got to look after your own body because you have to have a sharp mind. You're dealing with people's lives and you need to think about that. And, um, yeah, eat, drink and have a break. And, um, things will be better when you come back.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any thoughts, comments or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP website forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please follow us on Twitter at AJP podcast and send us a message.